This is the Wikipedia page for Glasnost. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Victor Vernado, KSN. And sitting in for Rachel Teichman, I am Rob Paravonian, BYOB. That is great, Rob. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe. Glad to have you here. Yeah, Happy nobody here. nobody forget to subscribe. If you don't subscribe, then who knows what's going to happen. Right. Who knows? We're actually doing this because this is something that Gorbachev was known for. Was Mikhail known. Gorbachev died, and so this is one of the one of his great works, shall we say. Let's get started. All right, let's do it. Class knows. This article has multiple issues. Please help improve it or discuss these issues on the talk page. This article is written like a personal reflection, personal essay, or argumentative essay that states a Wikipedia editor's personal feelings or presents an original argument about a topic. This article needs additional citations for verification. This article may be expanded with text translated from the corresponding article in Russian. Class notes. Russian. I can't pronounce it, but I can click the button that plays it. I don't know if you could hear that, but I did. I did not, but All I'm right. it close to glasnost. Glasnost has several general and specific meanings. A policy of maximum openness in the activities of state institutions and freedom of information, the inadmissibility of hushing up problems, and so on. It has been used in Russian to mean openness and transparency since at least the end of the 18th century. This word is included in the English dictionary. In the Russian Empire of the late 19th century, the term was particularly associated with reforms of the judicial system. Among these were reforms permitting attendance of the press and the public at trials whose verdicts were now to be read aloud. Vladimir Lenin repeatedly emphasized the importance of glasnost as the most important feature of democracy. In the mid-1980s, it was popularized by Mikhail Gorbachev as a political slogan for increased government transparency in the Soviet Union. Way to go, Mikhail. Sounds <laughs> like he did something right. Mikey. Historical usage. Human rights activist Lyudmila Alexeyeva argues that the word glasnost has been in the Russian language for several hundred years as a common term. It was in the dictionaries and law books as long as there had been dictionaries and law books. It was an ordinary, hardworking, nondescript word that was used to refer to a process, any process of justice or governance being conducted in the open. In the mid-1960s, it acquired a revived topical importance in discourse concerning the Cold War era internal policy of the Soviet Union. In the USSR... <laughs> the dissidents, <laughs> little beals for you. The dissidents on 5 December 1965, the Glasnost rally took place in Moscow, considered to be a key event in the emergence of the Soviet civil rights movement. Protesters on Pushkin Square, led by Alexander Yasenin Volpin, demanded access to the closed trial of Yuli Daniel and Andrei Sinyavsky. The protesters made specific requests for glasnost, herein referring to the specific admission of the public, independent observers, and foreign journalists to the trial that had been legislated in the then newly issued Code of Criminal Procedure. With a few specified exceptions, Article 111 of the Code stated that judicial hearings in the USSR should be held in public. 
Such protests against closed trials continued throughout the post-Stalin era. Andrei Sakharov, for example, did not travel to Oslo to receive his Nobel Peace Prize due to his public protests outside of Vilnius court building demanding access to the 1976 trial of Sergei Kovalev, an editor of the Chronicle of Current Events and prominent rights activist. Gorbachev. In 1986, Soviet General Secretary Mikhail Gorbachev. And Mikhail Gorbachev, RIP. Sorry. Yes. Just wanted to throw that Pour in. One out. <laughs> Pouring out for Mikhail. <laughs> and his advisors adopted Glasnost as a political slogan together with the term perestroika. And I'll roll over that. Perestroika was a political movement for reform within the Communist Party of the Soviet Union during the late 1980s. Okay. Alexander, I thought that was the name of a whiskey. I really did not know that perestroika meant that. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure either. I remember hearing the name, but I don't think I ever knew exactly what it meant. Alexander Yakovlev, head of the propaganda department of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, is considered to be the intellectual force behind Gorbachev's reform program. I don't think that you should be the head of anything that sounds nefarious like the propaganda <laughs> right. department. Yeah, they just straight up admitted this is our propaganda department. That's uh, like when that's like when the villains in comic books call themselves like the Legion of Doom. Glasnost right. <laughs> <laughs> was taken to mean increased openness and transparency in government institutions and activities in the Soviet Union, USSR. Glasnost reflected a commitment of the Gorbachev administration to allowing Soviet citizens to discuss publicly the problems of their system and potential solutions. Gorbachev encouraged popular scrutiny and criticism of leaders, as well as a certain level of exposure by the mass media. Some critics, especially among legal reformers and dissidents, regarded the Soviet authorities' new slogans as vague and limited alternatives to more basic liberties. Alexei Simonov, president of the Glasnost Defense Foundation, makes a critical definition of the term in suggesting it was, quote, a tortoise crawling toward freedom of speech, close quote. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's time for us to take a break. Please listen to this message and support Wikilisten. Whoa, thank you for listening to that message. And I'm welcome sure back. it was splendid. Did you say welcome back? I did say welcome back. Welcome back from my P, BYOB. <laughs> Various meanings. Between 1986 and 1991, during an era of reforms in the USSR, Glasnost was frequently linked with other generalized concepts, such as perestroika, literally restructuring or regrouping, and democratization. democratization. Gorbachev often appealed to Glasnost when promoting policies aimed at reducing corruption at the top of the Communist Party and the Soviet government and moderating the abuse of administrative power in the Central Committee. The ambiguity of Glasnost defines the distinctive five-year period 1986 to 1991 at the end of the USSR's existence. There was decreasing pre-publication and pre-broadcast censorship and greater freedom of information. The era of Glasnost saw greater contact between Soviet citizens and the Western world, particularly the United States. Restrictions on travel were loosened for many Soviet citizens, which further eased pressures on international exchange between the Soviet Union and the West. International Relations Gorbachev's interpretation of Glasnost can be best summarized in English as openness, 
Citation needed. While associated with freedom of speech, the main goal of this policy was to make the country's management transparent and circumvent the holding of near complete control of the economy and bureaucracy of the Soviet Union by a concentrated body of officials and bureaucratic personnel. Citation needed. <laughs> During Glasnost, Soviet history under Stalin was re-examined. Censored literature in the libraries was made more widely available and there was a greater freedom of speech for citizens and openness in the media. It was in the late 1980s when most people in the Soviet Union began to learn about the atrocities of Stalin and learned about previously suppressed events. Information about the supposedly higher quality of consumer goods and quality of life in the United States and Western Europe began to be transmitted to the Soviet population along with Western popular culture. I think I remember hearing, too, that some people for the first time heard that the U.S. landed on the moon, but I don't know if that might have just been a urban myth that got to me. I don't see anything referenced here, but now I'm going to go look that up on my own time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to know, too. Like, So basically, uh, you basically in the 1980s is when people first heard that the U.S. had landed on the moon. Yeah, let me see if I can uh, try to Google something really quick. History.com, Soviet response to the moon landing denial there was a moon race at all. Until 1989, Russians claimed they were not trying to reach the moon first and that the U.S. was in a one-nation race. So maybe it wasn't quite. I feel like every country is especially shady when described by another country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe it was they just, instead of not saying we went there, they just... We're like, well, we weren't even trying to do that. So who cares? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't even want to go anyway. It looks stupid. All right. Uh, <laughs> sorry for the diversion. In Russia since 1991, the outright prohibition of censorship was enshrined in Article 29 of the new 1993 Constitution of the Russian Federation. This, however, has been the subject of ongoing controversy in contemporary Russia, owing to heightened governmental interventions restricting access to information for Russian citizens, including internet censorship. There has also been pressure on government-operated media outlets to not publicize or discuss certain events or subjects in recent years. Monitoring of the infringement of media rights in the years from 2004 to 2013 found that instances of censorship were the most commonly reported type of violation. I'm sure it's gotten so much better since then. Yes. I mean, I'm glad that he tried to do something positive. And I'm sure that when you have a country like Russia, which is a very big boat that you're trying to <laughs> redirect, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I remember the era and it was a relief because we're about the same age. So I remember how frightening it was in the 80s to think about nuclear war and the adversarial relationship. It was scary. So when it seemed like the tension was going down and, and the Soviet Union was becoming a little less, I don't know, mysterious and closed off, I remember thinking it was kind of a relief. Yeah. But now, now Putin's cranking it back up. <laughs> but that was then. Yes. <laughs> there is something in the see also section called the Glasnost Bowl which was a planned attempt to stage an American college football game in Moscow. But the fact that they say planned, I'm wondering what happened. So I think that's going to have to go in our list of things later on to read. <laughs> I do remember a class in college too, where they were talking about the Berlin wall coming down and the communist bloc opening up and 
the TA who was running the discussion was saying, do you think it's more Reagan? Do you think it's more Gorbachev? Do you think it's more this? And I, of course, smarted off and said, I think it was because Iron Maiden played like in East Berlin at one point, you know, and I think it was Iron Maiden playing East Berlin really opened it up. But I was kind of tongue in cheek, but also I think there's something to it because especially in like the Eastern Bloc countries, they really dug like Western music and stuff. Well, this is an interesting, positive thing to know about Mikhail Gorbachev. I also kind of wish there was a Wikipedia page just about his birthmark. I bet there is. And we probably could have read that too. That would have been very interesting, but this is fine. All right. Thanks everybody. This has been the Wikipedia page for Last Notes. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at Wikilisten on all social media, except for Twitter, which is at wiki underscore listen. Check us out on TikTok. And remember, if there's a page you'd like us to read, let us know. We'll read it. 